0: I feel like anybody in the Northern Hemisphere can benefit from it. I I worked hard to try to kind of choose plants that I thought would span as um, be as diverse as possible in terms of different ecosystems and bioregions I one thing that people definitely need to think about if they're in different places is varieties so the Latin names that I chose for genus and the species of the different genuses Mm -hmm. will definitely vary more place to place for example the elderberry that we use here on the east coast and that you probably use is usually um, Sambucus canadensis or Sambucus nigra whereas there are different varieties out on the west coast so it's not necessarily that the times would be off by that much or whatnot but there may be different species that people might use welcome to the schoolhouse life podcast where we believe that life is a schoolhouse
1: totally we're super dorks with a passion for sharing our love of homeschooling homesteading natural health care plant medicines natural childbirth healthy eating meditation creative endeavors overall self-sufficiency for the whole family
0: oh and don't forget self-development and spirituality oh
1: of course key players we hope you'll be inspired to do things you haven't try things that could make your life better and
0: mostly we want to encourage you to
1: never stop learning and let your life be a schoolhouse too it's me Lacey today I have the honor of talking with someone I just met I literally just met her and I'm really really excited she actually is the brains behind something else that we've already talked about with our friend Chelsea Granger the plant and wild or the harvesting wild harvesting and wild crafting herbal chart that is just it's amazing, it's beautiful. So Brittany it wood Nickerson is the brain. She is the the herbalist behind that chart. And I'm really excited to hear from her and learn about how she got into this life of herbal loving goodness. And hopefully she'll share some wisdom and some tips for those of us at home trying to be herbalists ourselves. So Brittany, if we could start at the very beginning, I would love to know about your childhood and hear about you know where mm. did you start? Did you grow grow up with access and, you know, learning about the plants and that kind of thing, or was that newer on your journey? Tell us about it.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's good to be here Mm -hmm. and thanks for listening, everybody. So yeah, I grew up in a small town in western massachusetts which is where i uh, still live and i spent a lot of time outside as a child mm-hmm. and i was really into plants i was really into like making potions and mm-hmm. you know gathering things and much like my children are now this sort of just natural way of like using the environment as a source of play and that just all kind of happened naturally and i spent a lot of time alone outside as well as well as of course with friends but and then when i was i I was raised in an alternative community, and there was a lot of Ooh. adult people that were involved with herbal medicine mm-hmm. and to varying degrees, like some were professionals and some were more like just sort of novice or learning or incorporating it for home use and so I had those exposures, and I feel like it was by the time I was ten or so that I was showing interest in that world like the world of plant medicine and a couple of key mentors that kind of like shared things with me and I was I've always really curious I I thought about for a little while about being a journalist as a career just because I've always loved asking questions so I sort of like mm-hmm. always asked questions of people when I saw them doing these things and then I want to say I was like 12 or 13 when one of the local herbalists in our community had an ad in the school like newspaper that she was doing an herbal gift making class and my mom asked me if I wanted to take it and it was me and like a bunch of other people my parents age (laughs) and I was like 13 like and we were we made dream pillows and we made lip balms and you know face toners and that kind of fun stuff so that was that was sort of the Childhood path. And then when I was in college, I started using some more natural remedies. And I had a friend who was studying herbalism privately outside of the university that we were attending. Mm -hmm. And I looked into that program, and it was sort of one of those blind leaps of faith. Like it was a pretty big commitment. And I was at university full-time and I just kind of went for it and pretty sure that that was when I was finishing up college and thinking what's going to be next and it was it was pretty soon after taking that class that I realized that this was what I was going to do professionally Uh at least on some level
1: yeah so so what were you studying in college
0: I was studying interdisciplinary photography so like photography history practice and theory and political science political theory (laughs) so it was like academic and you know I mean the even the photography you know a lot of it was I went to UC Berkeley in the Bay Area so even the photography it wasn't a big like art practice department so even the photography was more of an academic theoretical
1: right framework yeah artsy side of photography yeah
0: yeah so that was more in my personal life that I sort of took on that and herbalism I think really was an outgrowth for me of creativity and, and art artistic you know sort of belonging.
1: It really is. I mean, yeah, when you start mixing plants together, you don't know for sure what's going to happen. But it's, yeah, it always can be beautiful. I have yet to make something that's truly repulsive, but (laughs) maybe maybe not as good as the last thing. (laughs) Right. Okay, so what inspired your making of this beautiful harvesting calendar, which I've described before on other podcasts, but it's just, it's the most accessible and usable and and really friendly way, I think, to get familiar with things that you can forage in your own backyard or in a local park or whatnot. And it's pretty, I think, broad. I mean, it's not, you're in Massachusetts. I think most of the plants on the list are grown here too. Maybe it's mostly East Coast. What would you say in terms of who could benefit from
0: it? I feel like anybody in the Northern hemisphere can benefit from it. I, I worked hard to try to kind of choose plants that I thought would span as um be as diverse as possible yeah. in terms of different ecosystems and bioregions mm-hmm. i one thing that people definitely need to think about if they're in different places is varieties so the latin names that i chose for genus and the species of the different genuses mm-hmm. will definitely vary more place to place for example the elderberry that we use here on the east coast and that you probably use is usually um, sambucus canadensis or sambucus nigra, whereas there are different varieties out of the west coast so it's not necessarily that the times would be off by that much or whatnot but there may be different species that people might use yeah
1: that that makes a lot of sense and it's interesting too because i love to id id plants and when i using an app of course i mean i try to do it on my own but when i can't use an app and the app will say, you know, this is also known as, you know, foot or like, and it'll have like eight different names. So I think it's really important that you did that because yeah, it can be very confusing. You're like, wait, and then hard to remember. So I love having this visual because it does help to kind of hammer it in a little bit.
0: Yeah. And the other thing, this was something that we had sort of, had to work hard on in terms of design, Mm -hmm. but I was really invested in kind of creating this flow or this like essential nature of each season and these types of plants that we harvest and these larger categories that they fall into, like parts of plants, times of year, and trying to have it be this educational tool that transcended just being a list. And so a lot of the plants that I chose were plants that could kind of embody these essence Essences and show people that like okay you harvest leaves and flowers in the summer or you harvest evergreens in the fall in the fall and winter or you harvest roots in the spring right and so up top you can kind of see the arc underneath the images that Chelsea has drawn you can see the the like actually the types of plants that are harvested and then below there's lists which are really meant just to serve as examples yeah so that you can fill in whatever plants you have in either in your garden or in your your um, region.
1: Well, and, I mean, it's, I mean, it's so intuitive. I feel like it's just a very intuitive for so many reasons. It's functional, but it's also very beautiful. And and there's so much wisdom that goes into it. And there's like a little disclaimer at the bottom about being responsible when you're harvesting and how to do it in a way that's not going to have a negative impact on your environment. And I just think it's just every element you clearly thought out and put so much consideration into. And I just love that about it. It makes it timeless. And it reminds me of, and I maybe Chelsea and I talked about this too but just about you know these vintage posters that everybody is hanging up these days that I and I am guilty as charged because I have one and it's like botanic garden or whatever and I didn't pay that close of attention to it when I bought it but there's only like one herb or plant on there that we even grow in our area at all. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, this is useless. I should have paid more attention. So okay. it's beautiful, but it's not functional. So this yeah. this tool is both of those things. And I love that it can be something that the kids can interact with really easily, but then also adults gain a lot from it as well. Cause we do have other educational posters that are very, you know, geared towards children and those aren't what I want to have on my wall, you know? So that's different. So Brittany, you mentioned that you have kids. How many kids do you have? I'm so curious.
0: I have two kids. They're four and two.
1: Oh my goodness. They're little ones. Are they mm-hmm. any, are they at all interested in the plants or what does that look like? Yep.
0: Yeah. Especially the four-year-old. Yeah. We She loves to make medicine. Mm-hmm. She has a harvesting calendar in her bedroom as well as a moon calendar. Oh. Um, nice they're cool. both really into the moon. Yeah, And yeah, she loves to make medicine And when, let's see, we did, we've done like the salves and, but she helps me mix tinctures and make tea blends. And Mm -hmm. she knows that we're making medicine for like, if we're making medicine for someone, we talk about that. And the thing that we recently did just this week, that was pretty incredible was we made um, protection amulets. So Mm -hmm. little fabric pouches with protective, dried protective herbs and salt. And she chose the herbs that she wanted. And we sort of talked about them and the different properties of them. And she made, we made them and we made one for my car, one for my partner's car. And we made one um, to put under her pillow. And it's been a really amazing tool for her that just thinking about that kind of protective container. And she actually pulled out a book that she had been a little afraid to read and wanted to read it. Oh, so oh, I would sweet. say that she is a little witch in the making.
1: <laughs> so what, what what did she put in her hello. I'm curious you remember.
0: Um, so my partner and my kids are Jewish. And so we started out with garlic, which is a, I mean, not that that doesn't have a long tradition for everybody, but mm-hmm. um, a long tradition and a lot of history in the Jewish tradition for protection and health. Mm-hmm. So we did dried garlic and then we did oregano and rosemary, which both have, and um, rosemary in particular is very well known for its protective yeah. properties. Yeah. And then we did the salt, which salt has a purifying protective and sort of absorbent quality to it Mm -hmm. so we did those and then I had asked her I said do you want to do lavender or maybe chamomile and she chose chamomile so Mm -hmm. we did chamomile there so they're very nice they're they're really like minty and
1: I'm thinking that it could be soup too like you can have yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. Pillow or put it in your chicken stock
0: <laughs> that's exactly right yeah and then we put them on the altar and we you know we, we did a blessing with them and whatnot so yeah we made so she's into all the layers of it
1: yeah oh that is really yeah. neat. what a neat thing to be able to transfer to your child and are your parents into it at all or are they they I guess they were supportive if they took you to these classes at an early age
0: yeah absolutely definitely supportive and certainly we used herbs growing up and I wouldn't say neither of my parents were people that were interested in like continuing education around herbal medicine, but they were interested in using herbs, you know, so they, they didn't necessarily like make their own medicine or have a lot of books out or take classes themselves, Mm -hmm. but they were using them and they're both avid gardeners. So there was a lot of gardening and food preservation and that sort of
1: thing. Yeah. That's important. I mean, if you, once you're interested, introduced to plants, it kind of is a slippery slope, right? You're like, yeah. okay, I want to garden now. What else can I garden? What else can I grow? So yeah, that's really fun. I love it.
0: Yeah. Um, my, um, my parents are divorced and my step-grandmother growing up lived right in the house with us. And she was really, really into herbs and alternative remedies. Right. And so she was a teacher of mine and someone who I spent a lot of time listening to and soaking up information, absorbing stuff from. So she was probably the closest family member.
1: Oh, I love that. And, and one generation kind of, I think that we see that a lot, like the grandparents still used all of this stuff and then slowly, but maybe the next generation was really moving into, okay, well, what can I get at the, the local pharmacy, right? Instead. And it's nice to take a shift back, a step back. I love that. Yeah. You said that you grew up in an alternative community. Now tell me more of that. Did that just mean you had folks around you who were alternative or were you in a legit community? <laughs>
0: Oh, I see what you mean. No, I would say just like my community was okay. had alternate interests that that the make that the culture would today consider to be alternative. Okay,
1: well, I don't know, but I I like that my ears. Perked a little because it's dreamy. It sounds dreamy to live in a commune. That's like (laughs) a life goal. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Okay. Well, so before we hop off this call, I think we've learned a ton. I'm really excited about what the products that you've made. Will you share just a little bit more of the things that you offer?
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, So I collaborate with Chelsea Granger on these posters and we, I do the writing and the herbalism and she does the illustration and we usually do design together and the ideas kind of grow organically out of different things that we're excited about. Chelsea was a student in my herbal classes for a lot of years so our projects sort of grew out of like a mutual love for that. So yeah, so we have a series of posters. We have the Harvesting Wildcrafting Calendar, which we've been talking about. We also have um, the Kitchen Medicine Poster, which is mm-hmm. outlines the medicinal uses of common culinary herbs. I
1: just ordered that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that one's really excellent, and another great one for sort of family learning and just general, not just families. All, but yeah, in general. All stuff
1: that you're you're gonna have in your drawers at home, like in your
0: exactly. And it transcends just like food as medicine uses into things like headaches, menstrual mm-hmm. cramps, you know, these types of yeah. um, everyday home remedies. So we have that one. And then every year we make a moon calendar. Mm-hmm. And the moon calendar, you know, it varies every year. It can have information about herbs. Sometimes this year it just focuses on the moon phases and talked about different sort of like the cycle of manifesting from the moon phases. And then we have a two smaller posters. One is the herbs for menstruation poster that outlines different herbs that can be used um, for medicine during different phases of the menstrual cycle and then we have the tea and infusion poster which has the medicinal uses of different tea or and infusion herbs and instructions on how to make those
1: i don't have enough walls and that's what i'm
0: right
1: (laughs) (laughs) and i love the moon the moon and how it connects for women in particular i think it's just it's sort of like i've heard it described the sun is very masculine energy and then you've got the moon is sort of the feminine and energy. And I don't know how true that is, but I do find it to be true for myself. And the more I connect to the moon, the more I feel in alignment with my own rhythms and cycles. Yeah, So I love anything that helps us learn and reconnect with that. And you mentioned the Judaism and that obviously the moon is the sort of the formal guide for the calendar in the Jewish cycle. We've connected to it through that too. And it's nice to see other people kind of getting more in that groove and, and me too, because it's not something that's easy to do in culture that does not highlight that. So the more walls we can cover up with moon stuff, the better. And I love mixing the herbs with it and everything. It's
0: beautiful yeah yeah i agree it's really special and just in general like to have that reminder of the life cycle around us and everything that we do because time has gotten so linear in our culture but really everything's a circle and the moon teaches us that sort of repeatedly through its cycles of waxing and waning so yeah um, that's a really beautiful gift so yeah so those are the posters and then we have one i also write and one of the books that i've done is the sacred and mysterious and we did that together. That was an outgrowth of our first moon calendar, which I wrote so much. We couldn't fit it on a poster. So we turned it into a short book and she has, uh, Chelsea has illustrated that. So that's sacred and mysterious healing wisdom and herbal lore for those who menstruate. And then I also have the herbal homestead journal, which I actually think that a lot of your audience would probably be interested in. That's a monthly guide and it, Every month focuses on a different theme, either self-care or herbal related. And then it talks about herbs and foods and self-care for that, that month. Um, So that falls the solar year. And then um, cooking for winter health wellness is another short book. And then a couple of years ago, I wrote a cookbook with a publisher and that is called recipes from the herbalist kitchen. And that, yeah. So that's a lot of the herbal wisdom woven in with food wisdom, Yeah. And that focuses on the ways that, that food can support us in all aspects of our life, you know, comfort and community. And
1: yeah, because nowadays I feel like we're really prone to choose garlic because we like the taste of garlic, but do we know that if we, you know, how garlic functions for us and does all these things for us, it's just such a neat, I love how you're tying in the herbal into like daily activities because I think that it can be overwhelming And, and it can feel like another thing, like just another thing. Well, you know, I don't, I don't have time to study that, but when you make it a part of your practical daily life, then it's just, it's just helping you kind of seamlessly. So yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah. And that's the goal behind the posters, the, the kind of empowerment. And it's sort of this shared vision of empowering people with herbal medicine and self-care and having these beautiful art pieces just for everyday use. Like it doesn't have to be anything spectacular. It's not something you do when you're sick. This is sort of everyday life.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. It's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Brittany, for being on the call. I actually have one last question for you. And it's probably sure. going to be, I don't know, it might not be easy for you to answer, but it's just <laughs> what is something that you do on the regular basis that is, you know, just helps you stay your best and feel your best, maybe reconnect.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> there's a lot of things. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Well certainly um I'm definitely someone who needs time alone to connect with myself and to connect with I, I'm my best when I'm sort of acting through my higher truth, which is uh pretty earth-based, spiritually centered place that is like cyclical rather than linear and just really kind of holding that, the kind of magic of, of the world. And so I need time alone to be able to access that. And that's definitely something that I have to prioritize having two little kids and running a business. So, so that's good. And I, I do that through, you know, spending time outside through writing and even just simple rituals like lighting candles and setting a Intentions are are really are good ways for me to do that. I do that through cooking, you know. So there's a lot of ways that that I can do that. But just sort of knowing that that for me, I'm my best when I'm able to access that part of myself. It is sort of like be like maybe like being an artist, where you have to have certain things that you like, environments that you create or things that you do to be able to get to that place of feeling artistic. Mm, Um, or feeling feeling your creative self. So for me, I know I know that feeling when I'm there and planning my life so that I have the spaciousness to be able to get there and stay there, so that I can you know have my creative inspiration and have enough energy to be a healer, you know, in my community for and help people.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and even what I'm hearing and some of what you're saying is not so much that you aren't like you're still doing the day to day activity, but you're doing it with. A different sort of frame of mind like cooking mm-hmm. you know can be a real drag if you have to do it but when you, right. you know, are doing it in a way that adds in these creative elements of your herbalism and your understanding of the plants that you're putting in and the in yeah. the food and how it nourishes you it just changes the experience into something yeah. that's an act of creativity instead of just a duty yeah <laughs>
0: so, yeah 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 that's, that's- n- nicely nice summary <laughs> yeah.
1: Came to me. <laughs> anyway well yeah. Brittany thank you so much for being on this call it was really fun to chat with you everyone stay connected with Brittany she's on Facebook she's on Instagram you can find all of those links at timeherbal.com t-h-y-m like the herb herbal.com and we'll have the links in the show notes and just connect I think you'll be inspired on a regular if you um, stay in touch with her so anyway thank you so much Brittany
0: thank you so much for having me